Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. When we read through the testimony of Jesus's life, we can see that there were many times where he took his disciples aside and explained very clearly to them that he would be crucified, that he would die, but that in three days he would be resurrected as the author of eternal life. Part of the reason that Jesus came was to prove to us the words of God, that he is the word of God made manifested in the flesh so that we can see it and believe it and more easily put our faith in it. And the faith that God wants us to have is that there is a resurrection coming and that the enemy is defeated and there is no power in him that can compete with the power of our king. When the Pharisees asked Jesus for a sign, he told them very openly that you will get no sign other than that of the prophet Jonah who spent three days in the belly of a well, so that in same manner the Son of Man will spend three days in the belly of the earth. You see, Jonah came to warn them that there was a judgment that was coming because of their sin and wickedness. Jesus came to tell us the same thing, that there is a judgment coming in the end because of sin, but that there is a way of escape from it. And after his three days in the grave, did he come forth to proclaim the power that God had given to save them from this judgment. And just like Nineveh, those who received it got a reprieve from it. They were saved, even though eventually the judgment did come. So for Jesus, it was the same. We are saved if we're found in him, if we repent like the men of Nineveh did. But if we reject it, then we have to understand that Nineveh did get destroyed eventually. And so will this world in the end. There is a wrath coming upon the wicked. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 21, we read the account of when Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, to which Jesus commended him that God had revealed this to him, not other men. And then it says that after this, Jesus took the disciples aside and began to show them how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and of the chief priests and of the scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. Jesus made this very clear and plain to them. Again, at another time, some of the Jews asked Jesus for him to give them a sign. And he said, if you want a sign, destroy this temple and in three days I'll build it back up again. Of course, they mocked him, thinking that he was speaking of the physical temple in Jerusalem, saying that it took some 40-something years to build. How can he rebuild it in three days? But he was actually speaking of being raised from the grave, the temple of his body, that if they wanted a sign, destroy it. And in three days, he would restore it. And that would be the sign that they would be given. In John chapter 10, verses 14 through 18, he talks about being the good shepherd and how the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. He says that his father loves him because he, that he is willing to lay down his life and to take it up again. He says that no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. So clearly we see him speaking throughout his earthly ministry of the fact that he would be crucified, that he would die, but that he would also be resurrected after three days in the grave. 
In Matthew chapter 20, verse 17, we hear him speaking to his disciples again when it said, And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. This is not long before the crucifixion. And he tells them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priest and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him unto the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again over and over and over. My friend, I can keep reading scripture after scripture of the times that he warned at the last supper. He tells them again, what is going to happen? Even telling Peter that he would deny him three times, because as he explains this to them, he tells them this very night, many of you are going to be offended with me and run away from me. And they all said, no, we won't do it. But in actuality, they did. And more than just tell them, he demonstrated this power to them, trying to help them to believe him. In the fact that not that long before his crucifixion, he raised Lazarus from the dead, showing them in power and demonstration, not just in word. As Paul said, the true kingdom of God always comes that he did have resurrection power. And if he could raise this other man who had been dead for three days in the grave back to life again, then why would they not believe that he could do the same for himself when that day came? Even the enemy believed to some degree or at least very clearly understood his teachings that he would be resurrected again on the third day. So much so that in Matthew chapter 27, verses 62 through 65, we read the account of the fact that they came to Pilate and told him, everybody knows that this man has prophesied that he's going to be resurrected after three days. So you need to make his grave very secure so that his disciples don't go and steal his body away and say that he's been resurrected and people will believe on him even more after his death than before. So Pilate tells them, you have your own watches. Go put some guards and seal the door. I say all this to lay a foundation to let you know that Jesus had very clearly been saying what was coming. Yet when what Jesus and even the prophets of old had foretold started to unfold and the enemy seemed to begin to be overcoming Jesus, did his followers then panic? They still fought it. They tried to stop it from happening. Then when they couldn't, they ran and hid from it. Some even ran from Jesus and ceased to follow him because of it. Even though they had all these prophecies of it, he had so clearly warned them that it was coming. I give you this story today, my friend, because that there are things that are coming on this earth as we draw nearer and nearer to the end that God has foretold through the prophets of old and his ministers even now who are speaking by the leading of the Holy Spirit are continually warning. Yet when it starts to happen, when these shakings and birth pains come, will many who follow him still panic, fight it, try to stop it or run? Some will even stop following after Jesus because of it, even though he has continually warned us. We look at this story and we think when these things happened the way that he said they would, it should have solidified their faith and made them trust him all the more. But it didn't because most of them just panicked. I think that maybe if they had been prayed up right before it began, like Jesus had instructed them, 
they would have been strengthened and reminded by the Holy Spirit of these things and not so easily fallen into this temptation. Like Jesus had said, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he told them, pray with me lest you fall into temptation. But they kept falling asleep at the final hour so that when the enemy rushed in, it caught them off guard and unaware. Yet while they were sleeping, Jesus was praying, it says, and being strengthened. Remember that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come and would remind us of everything that he had ever told us. I believe that if they had been up spending that time in prayer, the Holy Spirit would have been ministering to them, reminding them of these things so that when it began to happen, they would not have been so caught in their emotions, but would have been able to stand more firmly on the word of God. My friend, this is a word for this season because there are mighty shakings still coming. We are in a very late hour. I'm giving this as instruction to the church. Jesus said, could you not pray with me one hour? My friend, I would greatly suggest that you commit to spend a little time with him every morning and every evening, getting a word from heaven, getting instruction, being strengthened in the face of what's coming. Now, having laid the foundation of understanding with everything that I just mentioned about the teachings of Jesus, if you go to John chapter 20 and read the account of what happened after the crucifixion, you see the story of Mary the Magdalene as she comes to the tomb that morning. She comes to put burial spices on the body of Jesus. She comes and finds him empty and begins to weep and cry because she cannot find him. So she runs back. Peter and one of the other disciples run back to the tomb. The second disciple, many believe to be John, gets there first and the scripture says that he begins to believe. When Peter gets to the tomb, he goes in and sees that Jesus is not there. The grave clothes are laid out in the tomb. Peter comes out somewhat confused and then leaves. They go on their way. They don't know what to think. But Mary stayed. She sat and wept. She truly loved Jesus in faith she had come before his crucifixion knowing that God had revealed to her that he truly would be crucified so clearly was he speaking it to all of them she came weeping and washed his feet with her tears and her hair and anointed him for the burial she sat there and wept and cried for her Lord and then she sees the angels but thinks that they are guards and she cries out to them they have taken my Lord tell me where he is and I will go and get him She still has not grasped the power and reality of his resurrection because in actuality, he is very much alive and standing right behind her. So that the angels gazing at her seem to be very perplexed as they ask her woman, why are you crying? This woman who loved Jesus so much, weeping and wailing and desperate to do something for her Jesus, not even understanding That the King of kings and Lord of lords, the God of all creation, full of life and resurrection power, who had overcome even the grave, was standing with her. But she couldn't recognize him. He calls her by name and she turns around and she thinks he's a gardener. Such unmatchable power and incomprehensible humility. So then we're left with the question, as maybe even the angels had that day, With Jesus so clearly telling them what was coming, why would Mary be so distraught when she saw it actually happening? Well, for one, she came that day believing in and looking for a dead Jesus. 
Yes, before the crucifixion, she had faith for the disaster. She had anointed his body for burial before he was even dead. But now she was stuck in that place, still trying to do the same thing that she had done before, not by faith in what he had said, but out of faith in herself to do something to help this dead, breathless, powerless, victoryless Jesus that she had now begun to believe in, who was the opposite of what he had said that he was, even if she couldn't see it in the moment, she still should have believed it because he spoke it. Being in this state of mind made her a hopeless, broken, scared, sobbing, confused woman. She still fully loved her Jesus, but it was a hopeless, broken, powerless kind of love. The angels who knew that he was resurrected, very much alive and victorious, looked on her perplexed at her mindset, saying, woman, why are you crying? I think heaven still looks at the church sometimes and says the same thing, because that they are still trying to figure out how to help God be king. They come with their corpse perfume to help their dead Jesus have a slightly better presentation or smell of life by their doing. Many times out of love and ignorance like Mary did. Instead of having faith in the unstoppable, unmatchable living power of a resurrected Jesus who has already defeated the enemy and proven God's word and power to be unlimited, omnipotent, and victorious. But this woman did do one thing right. She waited. When the others left to go back fishing, she stayed where she had last seen him and waited. She didn't want to leave his presence. She didn't know what else to do. And the scriptures do say that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. She had messed up, lost hope, and mixed up her role, but she never lost her love for him. And she stayed in position so that even while she was weeping and didn't even realize it, he had appeared behind her. And as soon as she sees him, gets a vision and a revelation that he is risen and living and can overcome any enemy, even death itself, if need be, everything changed. She stopped weeping and started truly believing, and immediately she started preaching. No fear, no reservation, no alteration, and no deviation. She preached Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Nothing is too hard for God. No one too far gone. There is nothing that can be taken from you that he cannot give back and more. And no one can take you from your Lord nor him from you. Have faith in the God who can overcome the grave. So my question today, my friend, is how many times have we done this, what Mary did? How many times have we gotten stuck in a state of hopelessness, looking at the disaster and not the resurrection power that our God has to bring a great testimony out of the situation that we are facing? She had a hope and a promise and who God was and what he could do. Then when it seemed to be taken away, she lost faith instead of giving praise that he was going to do it in some impossible way. My friend, have you stopped praying for that lost loved one to be saved for your children, for your parents, for your family? 
for revival? What if you lose your church building? What if you lose your home in the economic and political storm that is coming? What if you lose your savings or your retirement, your state or your nation? Will you have faith for God to resurrect it, to still fulfill his promises in spite of it? Do you have faith in the miracle working power of our God? Will you only see the dead thing or the resurrection testimony that is coming? Because God is looking for a people that believe God is a God of resurrection power. And no matter how dead or destroyed these things may seem by the storms that are coming, if you believe him and in him, then he will resurrect better than before. He will restore. It might not be the way that you think. It might be a God of great power and humility, but it will be exactly what he said was coming. And there'll be real glory in it. Not materialism or vanity or the kingdoms of men because he said his kingdom is not of this world. If it were, his disciples would fight to keep it, but they weren't instructed to fight to keep it. They were instructed to fight to keep their faith in him and in the power of his resurrection. To have the faith of Abraham to believe that there is a better kingdom coming. One not made by the hands of man, but by God himself new Jerusalem. So trust the Lord. Trust the things that he has spoken to us in his word. Have faith in his promises for they are sure and firm. Yes and amen, a solid place to stand. And if he sees fit to destroy what you thought would be the fulfillment of it, then it's only because he wants to rebuild it strong enough to serve its true purpose in the season that it will really be needed and build your faith in his resurrection power in the process that he alone is our provider. Our source of power, provision, revelation, and salvation. That he is the God of resurrection. And he's not really about saving the things of man's kingdom. He's about saving your soul out of it and showing you who he really is. That he is different and set apart from it. Better. When Paul was on the ship and the storms rose up against it. Because that they didn't listen to his instructions. Just like the world has not listened to the words of Jesus when he gave them the way of escape from these things that are coming. The ship began to sink in the storm. Then they finally came to him and wanted him to cry out to his Lord. But he had been praying and he had a word. He told them the ship is going down, but not one person on it will be lost. So I'm giving you this word this day that you can have peace. That if you are secure in Christ Jesus, even if the ship goes down around you, if you're holding the hand of the one who can walk on the seas, then why are you weeping? You're not going down with it. You're being given opportunity to truly know the power of your Jesus. Psalms chapter 30 verse 2 says this, O Lord my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but for a moment, yet in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. 
This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.